0: You ever notice how French people, we're talking about Jewish French people, they are like all very clicky, right? All the, all the people who speak, Jewish people who speak French, they're very close to each other, right? Yes. It's yeah. a beautiful thing. Baruch Hashem. So um, I heard this amazing story about this shliach uh, from, uh, from France, I don't know his name because he speaks French, and he says the story in French. But someone translated the story into English. It's one of the most amazing stories I heard in, in years. It just happened. Unbelievable story. There was, um, it was a, a Chabad emissary in France. And he um, had a friend of his who was going to uh, to New York. And he, um, he had a lot of people in this community who wanted to send him a letter to the Rebbe. So he asked this guy, let's call him David, David, can you please bring everyone's letter to the Rebbe? So David had this thing in his mind that in order to present a letter to the Rebbe, you know, this is, this is what he thought. I'm not saying this is right or wrong. Even the, the thoughts we have which aren't right are also by the divine providence. David had this thought that in order to present in order to present a letter to the Rebbe it's not enough just to just drop the letter off at the, ohel, at the Rebbe's ohel. In order to present a letter to the Rebbe, Front row seat, same price as back row seat. I'm, sorry, I'm a back row seat kind of guy. No problem. So in order to present this letter to the Rebbe, he has to, uh, he has to read the letter. It's not enough just to present it and put it down, he has to read it. That's what he decided. So he tells everyone before he goes, listen, I'm taking the letters to the Rebbe, but I want to read them. And we're like, okay, no problem, I, I, nothing private, everyone's okay with that. But one lady says, no, you can't read my letter. Everyone else says, read my letter, no problem. One lady says, no, you're not reading my letter. So he says, okay, I won't read your letter. Remember, David has this thing in his head that if you want to get a blessing from the Rebbe, you actually have to must actually verbalize. That's what he thought. I mean, I'm not saying he's Mm -hmm. wrong, that that's such a a thing. The Rebbe himself, when you give the Rebbe a letter, the Rebbe read your letter at the OL of the previous Rebbe, so it's such a thing. But obviously, that's the Rebbe's reading the letter. Either way, David felt this way very strongly. So David takes these letters and the lady's letter included, and he he reads every letter that he got. But the lady's letter, he didn't read because he told her not going to read it. However, he felt bad not reading her letter. So he saw someone else at the oil. Oh, I'm not going to read the letter. I'll give it to this guy. This guy will. Read, this guy, some random guy in the street, he'll read the letter. You know, I'll still keep her privacy. He, he, he doesn't know who she is. She doesn't know who he is. And that way, the letter will be read by the Rebbe's oil. That's what he was thinking. I'm not saying he was right. That's what he did. Okay, he gives the letter to David. Gives a letter to some guy. Let's call him Shmuel. Shmuel, hey, you here. Read this letter. It comes out of the oil. Shmuel comes out of the oil, and David says to Shmuel. Shmuel says to David, Do you know who gave you that letter? He says, Of course. The letter letter was from a woman. David says, Yeah, it was a woman from our community, and she said that no one should read the letter. Well, let me tell you something. The letter that she wrote was a request. She requested that she and her brother should have reconciliation. They should finally get along. After so many years of of discord and frustration and argument, they should finally come back together again. So, okay. So he says, well, I'm her brother. I'm her brother. Shmuel was her brother. Shmuel was her brother. The guy, the random guy you found in the oh asked him to read the letter. That was her brother. Now I'm just thinking about the story and I just think about the details of the story. Besides so the amazing divine providence, but can you imagine Shmuel and his sister not getting along after that? Like <laughs> they, they, they could have gone to the best therapist in the world. They could have had the best reasons in the world why they should get why should, they should have reconciled. But the overt divine inspiration that they saw at that moment, the, the miracle of Hashem, is something that that any human heart wouldn't, would not be able to help melt from, from seeing. So in a similar way, sometimes we go through an event, while we're going through it, there's, not, there's nothing good in the event, it's, it's not a good thing that's happening. But on the other hand, after the event's over, it's possible to look back at the event, and to discover something that, that um, you only were able to achieve because of this event. Like, the previous ever said this, about his imprisonment. He said, if, if someone would give me all the money in the world, I wouldn't go back to that to that prison for even a moment. On the other hand, he said, if someone would give me all the money in the world, I wouldn't sell a moment in the prison either. I wouldn't sell a moment in the prison. Being in the prison was something that helped me gain a lot. I wouldn't sell one moment of being in the prison. Thank you very much. So, this week, in addition to the regular Torah portion, the amazing Torah portion, kept Tisa, we also read an additional Torah portion, the parasha of Par of the red heifer. Read always this Torah portion before the month of Nisan. Since we have to bring the sacrifice, the Paschal Lamb, God willing, will bring it physically with the coming of Mashiach. So before we, before we, re, before we uh, offer the Paschal Lamb, we have to be purified with the ashes of the red heifer. So therefore, we read in the Torah about the red heifer, the Shabbos. Some people say, some opinions say that it's a biblical commandment equal to the commandment to hearing the story of Amalek. It's a commandment to listen to this Torah portion, also a biblical commandment. And since it's a biblical commandment, so just like it, so it's so important to hear the story, it's also so important to learn from the story. If we see there's such a storm, such an excitement, people have to come to show the Shabbos. water? It's, it's good for you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I don't take him a coin you know. I'm not a kohen <laughs> He's not a kohen Not yet. Yeah. All right, pass it over. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Rebbelech. Thank you for so. So it's really, it's it's really an important thing to learn this week's Torah portion because it's something that's so important to hear. So therefore, it's also so important to have a hair, to have some kind of message from it. So we'll see in this week's Torah portion something that will give us. A whole new motivation in life, a whole new way of living life, something that could really like open up for us doors that weren't open before. What does the Torah say? The Torah says that if someone became ritually impure, they touched a dead body, and they have to be sprinkled with the ashes of a red heifer. There are many laws about this about this red heifer. It has to be completely red, it has to be something that was never used for work. It has to be, be an animal that never had a yoke on its, on its back. Has, if it has two white hairs or two black hairs, it's not kosher. So you take this this red heifer, and you mix it with its ashes with water, and then it, it's able to purify you. Rashi says this law is called a super-rational law. It's something that we can't understand. King Solomon said about all the super-rational laws in the Torah, that he was able to understand all of them except for this one. This one is beyond me. This law is something I can't understand. So Rabbi Shubman Levy says that what's so hard to understand about this mitzvah, what's, what's, what's the depth of, of, this, of this mitzvah? It says like this. Rabbi Shubman Levy says, in Parshas Emor, Hashem told Moshe all the laws of ritual impurity. And, and when he got up to the laws of a person who touched a dead body, Moshe Rabbein looked at Hashem and he said, Hashem, if someone touches a dead body, how can they possibly become pure? And Hashem was quiet. Hashem didn't answer, and Moshe Rabbeinu, at that point when Hashem didn't answer him, his face turned dark. Moshe Rabbeinu's face naturally was, was so luminous that you couldn't look at his face. But when he heard that this person had touched a, a dead body and Hashem wasn't telling him away from to become pure, Moshe Rabbeinu's face became dark. The word tamay, or impure is related to the word atum. Atum means closed off. Some people are closed off from living; they're not in touch with their soul not in touch with life. They're, they don't have a connection to, to, to God, to life. To, 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 they're just closed up. They're, they're, I don't know if the word recluse is the right word, but even if they're not a recluse, but they're, they're just not alive. So how can someone who is like this, someone who is, who is totally closed up from his soul, totally, totally, totally not in touch, how can he free himself from the chains that he shackled himself with? How can he get out of this, the, the shackles that he himself imprisoned himself with? But the answer is this, Hashem told Moshe Abenu, this week's Torah, the, the additional Torah portion, the Paradum. And Hashem said, this is how it will be purified. And Moshe Rabbeinu looks at Hashem and says, how does this work? How does, how does this help? And Hashem says, "It's a decree before me, you can't understand it, this is the way it is. What this means is like this. The spiritual meaning of this, this is like this. You meet a Jew, and the Jew looks to you like there's nothing at all no redeeming factor in this person's life. You, you can't see anything good in this person. You see that they're totally submerged, head, line, hook, line, and sinker in things which aren't good. And you can't see any sensitivity, any spirituality, any light in this person. So what does Moshe Rabbeinu feel? Moshe Rabbeinu feels, he feels terrible. His face turns dark. And so too, we're supposed to be like Moshe Rabbeinu. We're supposed to also not just take this lying down. You, you meet somebody was 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 the light in their eyes has darkened. You're not allowed to stand by. Him. Most face is shocked. Moshwomen was shocked. How could this happen? So it's it's similar thing supposed to happen to us. We meet someone and you, you're not supposed to just like be, be apathetic, okay, move on. Okay, this person just just cancel them. they just they're, 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 it has it has it has to touch you, it has to bother you. You meet someone and, and they're totally not in touch, totally disconnected, they're like like spiritually dead. That should bother you. So, what's the way, the way to get purified? How does this person get purified? Person who is spiritually dead, how they get purified? So, what does the Torah say? Take the ashes and you mix the ashes with water. What are ashes? Ashes represent the end of something. You have the object, you have a house, a burnt house. Yeah. What's a burnt house? Burnt house is the end of the house. It was a house, it was built, there were dreams, there was ideas, there was a vision. Now the house is burnt. The house isn't. It's carbon. Okay, it's thank it's you. Covered. All right. So, uh. These ashes represent the end of something. The water, on the other hand, water represents life. Water represents, as has an officer of Nassim, there are, things, there are 10 things that are called life. One of them is water. Water is called life. When a person is born, the 75% of every cell is water. 85% of the cells in our brain are water. Milk, which is the first liquid that a baby drinks and most of, and most of his development is through, Something which is predominantly water. When we were born, we're enveloped in water. So how do we connect water, which is all about life, with ashes, which are all about the opposite of life? So the answer is like this. How are you able to become a whole new being? How are you able to become a whole new person? So, in the beginning of the Torah, it says Hashem made one thing, and this was like His favorite thing, it seems. is this was the best thing He made. What was the best thing Hashem made? Anybody know? I think He said this was the best thing He made. Tovmo. Oh, very good. Excellent. Hashem said the angel of death. The angel of death is Tovmo. The told the good inclination, he says it was good. The bad inclination, the angel of death, ah, Hashem says, fantastic. What's so fantastic with the angel of death? Well we don't think the angel of death is someone we want to meet anytime soon, right? So 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 what what does that mean? The answer is like this. If we are if we want to evaluate Something that's going on in our life. You want to see, is this right or is this wrong? A lot of times we get hypnotized by the world. The world hypnotizes us. And we, 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 we look at things that are really small and it doesn't seem very big. There was an elderly man who became... an uh, elderly man who looked back on his life and he said, I feel like I'm in an airplane. All the things I thought of when I was 20 and 30 and 40, and these are the most important things in life. I feel like I'm in an airplane. You know, when you're in the world, when you're, when you're on Earth... Touching the ground, you look at these houses and these mountains look huge. You go on an airplane; all these things before, like mountains, they look like look like like, like uh, ants. So, when you are looking at your life and you are in your life and going on, when things are going on as you are in your thirties or forties, fifties, whatever, huh? or your sixties or seventies or eighties, the man of used to say, "You think when you turn eighty or ninety, the fire goes away? I tell you, it doesn't go away. You get, you get caught up. How, what's what's the antidote?" So the answer is you have to look at the ashes. You look at the way things are after, look at the angel of death. You look at the angel of death, look at the way things are after your life, you, and you ask, looking back from that position after your life is over, and you ask yourself, is this really important? So, yeah, so, so it says in the Torah, Zeh Adam. this is the book, the Chronicles of Man. Everyone has a book. What books are the best books? Who writes the best books? The angel of death writes the best, best books. When you look at your uh, what you're leaving after yourself, you say, do I want to look back on my life and say, I did this or I didn't do this? So the best way to know if you should or you shouldn't do something right now is how will you feel after, at the end of your life that you put energy into this? A lot of us carry a lot of baggage. We carry anger, we carry frustration, we carry anxiety, we carry jealousy, we carry, we carry cruelty, we carry insensitivity. And uh, people who... At the end of their life, they did a study. What people think about when that, at, the end, at the end of their life? They ask, they think, I may have spent too much time trying to make money. Many have spent spend too much time with carrying all of these negative energy things, which got, got me sick. It's possible you carry a lot of stuff with you, and at the end of your life, you're like, Why was I carrying? I could have just let go. I could have forgiven. I could have let go. And the kind of book you write, you want to know what decision you should make? Ask the angel of death. Look at the right; He's the best author of your book. Look at how you... scale so 1 to 10. How would he Is it something worthwhile not worthwhile? That's how you make a very good book. It sounds not so Hasidic, or Baruch is thinking. So let me, let's say this in a, in a, in a Hasidic <laughs> way. The Hasidic way is the end of days, as it's referred to in the Torah, as the coming of Mashiach. After Mashiach comes... We look at all the things that we were thinking about now. Are they really important? After Mashiach comes in a split second, we look at all these things at the end. Are these things really important? We're not going to think of these things so important. There was this boy named Omer who hurt his, hurt his leg and he. Who um, hurt he what? I, I missed your text I'm giving the share. We wanted to say something? Oh, no, who hurt what? I'm sorry. He hurt his leg. Oh, okay. He hurt his leg and he went to the hospital and he was, he was unconscious. And he hears doctors talking to each other. One doctor says to the other, that poor guy, he's so young, he only has a month to live. So Omer leaves the hospital and he's thinking, well, I have a month to live. What should I do with this month I have to live? And he's, he, he started spending time with his wife and with his son and with his daughter and trying to giving them all the love and all the time and all the attention. And he started spending time davening it, all things he never did spend time before. And he comes back to the hospital a month later and the doctor examines him. He says, Omer, you're alive, it's all good. He says, doctor, tell me the truth, I can handle it, tell me the truth. He says, no, you're, you're fine. He says, I heard you'd say one doctor to the other doctor. He misunderstood, Omer. The one doctor was talking to, talking to the other doctor with the patient before you. You're fine. <laughs> Omer was so excited, he says, what did he get? He got, he got, he, he, he had tears in his eyes. He got life all of a sudden. It was this boy who studied for his bar mitzvah with some chabad rabbi. And he didn't just learn how to read the Torah. He learned about being Jewish, and, and and he wanted to go to Jewish school. He was in he was in a school, not Jewish a public school, and he wanted to go to Jewish school. So he told his mom, "Mom, please, I want to go to Jewish school." All right. So imagine you're eight, you're, you're you're thirteen years old, fourteen years old. You want to go to eighth grade. In The Cheder Menachem, right? Imagine kids go to the Cheder Menachem. You want to go to the Menachem. All right. So you go to Rabbi Greenbaum. What's the going to say? Do you know how to read Hebrew? No. Do You know how to read Chumash? No. You know Mishnayis? No. How's it going to fit into into in eighth grade? So he went to one school, and the, teacher, the principal doesn't feel right to say, no, he says, well, maybe try a different school. This school, I'm not sure it's going to work for you. He goes to a second school, and to a third school, and to a fourth school. And his mother finally says to him, listen, my son, it's a very noble idea you want to be in a Jewish school, but we we'll went we'll to one more school, and that's it. They go to the next school, and the principal tests the boy, and he says to him exactly the same thing that everybody else said to him. It's a very nice thing, but I don't think we have a place for you here. I don't think we can help you here. Boy well, says, "No problem, just yeah, I want to ask you something. Can you please give me a letter on the school letterhead that says that you can't accept me?" So well, the principal's wondering why you want to take want to take me to court. You want to sue me? I'm not obligated to give you a letter. He says, no, it's not nothing to do with the with the with the court. He says, "After 120 years, and to go to before the heavenly courts, and they're going to ask me why didn't you learn about your roots? Why don't you keep Torah mitzvahs?" So I want to have this letter to show to the court and to say to them, you know why? Look at this. They weren't able to accept I wanted to, they weren't able to accept it. The principal said to him, you have a father in heaven, you have a father on earth, I'm going to be your father. Come to my house. He took him into his house. And he said, you're going to go to our school, and after school, I'm going to learn with you, and learn with you. And, Baruch Hashem, this boy, he developed in the school amazingly, and he became a prominent rabbi in Israel. This this um, message, the boy said, it wasn't just that you know a a smart thing, it was he He gave the principal a dialogue with his autobiographer, or biographer, the angel of death. He, all, when, you, when the principal heard about death, all of a sudden, we'll make, make the right decision about life. And when we hear the story also, what does it make us think? It makes us think about the decisions we're making. But, again, it's not just about death, it's also about the coming of Mashiach. When we think about where we're going, in a moment, to Yishalayim, we see Abraham and Yitzhak and Yaakim and Sarah, Rifko, Rachel, and Leah and Kim and all those who passed away. It's going to, it, it, just thinking about that, it just makes you look at your life in a whole different way, it makes you make decisions in a whole different way. And this is the idea of the ashes and the water. Water represents life. What creates the, the life is the ashes. The ashes create the life. It's specifically when we're looking at the end of our lives that makes us. That makes us think about how we're living. It gives us a whole different way of living. It makes us live in a very good way. There is a beautiful teaching of the Kleyakar. B'chaim, b'chaim. Kleyakar says this. Before get to Kleyakar, Baruch, are you with me? I'm very with you. Tell me about the Kleyakar. Can I say before I get to Kleyakar, Huh? Before I get to Kleyakar, Hashem tells every person to choose life. What's Hashem telling you? Sema telling you, you have the ability to let go of the shackles that, that you're in. You're able to open yourself up and to be in touch with real life. You don't have to be the way, holding, holding all the stuff in your hands, and your heart, and your mind. You're able to choose life. I'm saying, I want you to choose life. There was a tzaddik named Rabbi Shuman Hanani, And he was killed by the Romans. And he was burnt alive. He was holding a Sefer Torah when he was burnt alive. And his students saw he was gazing out. When he was, while he was while he was while he was dying, and they, um, and the Romans are torturing him, and he is just gazing out. And the students say, "What do you see?" He say he says, "I see that the the, the uh, parchment is burning, but the letters are floating in, in, in the air." The parchment means the physical the physical body, the physical things are burning, but the good things that we do in this world they stay on forever. The inspiration you gave to another person, the kindness you give to another person, the good you did for another person. That stays on and never ends. That's what Nasi meant when he said when he, before he passed away, he said, I need my children. What he meant was the children, the, the impact we have in this world, it stays on. It never stops. The There's another meaning also with the water and the ashes. Water represents the Torah, and the ashes are, ashes represent negative things. We if we never see in ourselves that we have an attraction to the negative things or mistakes we made in our life, it's specifically from those mistakes that we made that only from the mistakes that we made, we're able to have a whole new new, 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 new birth. I was saying before about the gap the, between the way we are living and the way we want to live. What makes you stop and think and say, oh, I want to do something else? Very often it's a big mistake. Like let's say you, imagine, imagine right now, imagine, close your eyes for a second, imagine you said, you discover right now, I didn't put on film today, right? All of a sudden, you didn't put on film today, all of a sudden there's be a lot of water a lot of water on top of the ashes. Sometimes you, the Torah says to put the ashes on top of the water. Then it says to mix them. Sometimes it's the ashes that creates the water. It's the mistakes that create the, 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 the new opportunities and new li- living. Last thing I want to tell you is the Kliyakr. Ready your? Baruch? The Kliyakr. It's powerful. Should sure hear the Kliyakr? Okay, here we go. No, I can't, but I'll hear it. Alright, the Kliyakr says this. The Kliyakr says... One <laughs> of the things about the red heifer that's beyond logic and reason, is that anyone who's involved in creating the red heifer, if you were involved in slaughtering the red heifer and gathering the ashes, creating it, you became impure. If you were involved, however, the one who's at, who got sprinkled by those ashes becomes pure. So it's, it's, a, it's beyond logic and reason. Does it make you pure? Does it make you impure? Which one does it do? Vayogra says like this, amazing. He says, ashes represent the opposite of life, opposite of goodness, opposite of purity. Water represents purity. Hashem made the world in a way that opposites are attracted to each other. How is electricity created? Electricity is created through positive and negative. How is a family created? Through husband and wife. How, is, how are the planets and the whole astronomy created? It's created through, through the two opposing forces. How is a day created? Night and dark meet each other. So in a similar way, what, the ashes, the impurity, w- w- it wants to latch onto something. Where, who does it latch onto? It latches onto the opposite. Who does the water latch onto? the water latches on to the opposite. So the person who is impure, the water connects to him, therefore he gets pure, purified. And the one who is, imp- who is pure before, who does he connect to? He connects to the ashes, and he becomes impure. In order for something to become impure, if you have an apple, or for the apple to be able to become impure, has the first touch of water. The opposite of holiness always attaches itself to things which are holy. The Gemara says, Whoever has a great greater has a greater Yitzhahara. The Yitzhara doesn't attract, attack non-Jews, it attacks Jews. The Yitzhahara doesn't attract regular people, attacks more the Chachamim, the ones who are greater. The Gemara says these words. Whoever is greater has a greater Yitzhahara. So if you find in yourself that you're that you're making big mistakes, oh that means if a connection to something pure. That means something good going on inside of you. It's specifically the the uh fact that you have some purity in you. That there's something impure trying to catch you. And it's... It's... Okay, I'm going to put you asleep, your I'm going to finish with this. But bottom line is like this. You can't win. You just can't win. By the way, why do you need the ashes too? If according to Kliyaka, you just need the water. The water is what makes you pure. So why do you need the ashes? Because only if you know about your mistakes, only if you know you have ashes, can you come pure. If you don't, if you don't know you have ashes, you don't know if you have problems, you never come pure. When the Futafah said about the eight Sahara, he says, he had, a, he had a, his teacher, his teacher said, I could take the Eitzahara and put him in a chair and lock him up. And the Futafah says, I can't lock him up, but I, I know, I know when the, oh, there's a voice in me that's coming from the opposite of holiness. Only if you know you have an Eitzahara can you possibly become pure. But anyways, bottom line of this, what, 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 is supposed to take from the, what are the four things we're learning tonight? Number one is we're learning the Moshe in his face becomes darkened when he sees a Jew who is Cut off, who's closed, who's not in touch with the light. He doesn't, doesn't stand by when he sees that. He can't stand by. Number two, it's the ashes. We're looking at the end of our lives, looking at the coming of Mashiach, looking at the, the end result, it will come purify us now, make us live a pure life. And number three, pure water comes specifically from the ashes. And it's specifically from our mistakes that we're able to grow. Number four, if you find a negative tendency in you, you find that you're attracted to the wrong thing, it's a sign that you have water. Because where does evil try to attach itself to, specifically to someone who has purity? Because we have an neshama, because we have in, because such potential to accomplish, that's why the sahara tries specifically to infiltrate us, because there's so much to give. Hashem should help us all, we should be free from all of this uh, tuma, all of them to cut us off from who we're meant to be, or who we can be, and think about where we want to get to in a moment, come to Mashiach, and get there. Any questions or comments? Yeah. Yes? No. It's interesting that you prefaced the, the Shira at the beginning, so you cannot understand the part yeah, that you're trying to explain. It. Mm-hmm. I'm a really little You know, the Rev once, once said about this. He says, yeah. you look at the Hasidic okay. meaning of the Parah Aduma, you wonder why is it a chayik? You wonder why is it called super-rational? Said. So you said. You wonder, how come you it Super-rational. When it's, uh, when it's when it's when it's when it, it could be explained. On one occasion, never said this. Never said this. In the in the exercise of trying to make another person pure, when you're becoming impure, who does that? Who do, who would go and give up their of themselves to help someone else out? Call a kolin, a kolin, a barach. Someone who is getting in touch with the essence of Torah. In, or- in order to be able to do that, you have to get, the- get in touch with the essence of Torah. It's this super-rational devotion to each other, that we have to each other as Jews, that get- get- puts us in touch with the essence of Torah. It's super-rational. How so can I explain? Well, I would actually say, it's very interesting. I do believe, uh, when I'm preaching to someone who is maybe impure, Is for the holy person, and they get contaminated. That is the beauty of stepping down. Like even the coin guddle who does the the ritual, not even the the process of making a cargo.